people are saying, when women speak up, we have their backs. Mm -hmm. Because I think so many of us have felt silenced before because we felt like nobody was going to have our backs if we were able to come forward and tell our story. So you want to show that solidarity with other women. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping those two things will translate at the polls. But time will tell. And I think the March primary, that's a quick turnaround. Mm -hmm. Hello, and welcome to the 10th episode of The Broadcast, a Chicago podcast dedicated to showcasing women who are making an impact on Chicago and their communities. If this is your first time listening to The Broadcast, welcome. We're glad you found us. And for those of you joining us again, welcome back and thanks so much for listening. All of this is possible because of you and our amazing sponsors and partners, including We Will and Evolve Her, and of course, our podcast home, 1871, which is Chicago's premier hub for entrepreneurs, innovation, technology, and they are just awarded with the number one incubator in the country. Shout out to them. And I'm Becky Carroll. I'm the president and CEO of C Strategies. I'm also your host today. We are super excited to talk politics with three outstanding Chicago journalists about the Illinois primary elections coming up on March 20th. But before we learn more about our guests, I thought we should set the stage with some facts and figures about women holding office, since this is a discussion usually driven by women and often around issues that we care about. So Illinois has yet to have a female governor. I worked for Don Clark Netch back in 1994 on my first campaign, and unfortunately, 20-plus years later, we're still without one. Cook County's only had one Cook County board president, Tony Preckwinkle. Uh, only one of Chicago's 46 mayors have been uh, female, Mayor Byrne. Uh, only one of Illinois' legislative leaders, Senate president, Speaker of the House, minority leaders have also been female. So this is not unique to Illinois at all. Our state is one of 22 that has never had a female governor, and of the 50, only six currently have female governors. And women only make up 20% of Congress, which is an episode all on its own that we can have in the future. So that congressional figure is likely to change. As the Center for American Women in Politics is saying, more than 400 women are currently running for U.S. House seats and 50 are running for the Senate. Some may drop out as well, but we may be on pace to see women crush this record in uh, that was set in 2012 when an all-time high of 298 women ran in House races. And most studies show that when women run, women win. So let's hope that um, it holds up to be truthful. Unfortunately, I don't think the enthusiasm among uh, many women can be attributed purely to an increase in civic duty. Uh, but to discuss this and more, we are welcoming first Shia Kapos, who writes the venerable Tiki Names blog, as well as contributes to the Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Magazine. Uh, Carrie Lester, who's the former political chief at the Daily Herald, um, AP bureau chief in Springfield, and author of the new book, Know My Place, which tells the stories of women in Illinois politics and government who've experienced sexual harassment, like me and probably everyone else in this room, minus our token guy tweet. And of course, Mary Datcher of the Chicago Defender, who is the managing uh Deputy editor, I Just believe. managing editor. Managing editor. We like that. Woo. So <laughs> welcome, ladies. And Mary, I'd love to kick off the conversation with you. You've seen a lot of political movements come and go. And you also have a unique perspective working in this industry and also the entertainment industry. So in the wake of Me Too and Time's Up, what strikes you most about this movement and its potential to impact this election cycle? 
Well, you nailed it on the head is that there's more women now vying for these seats and political candidacies, not only across the nation, but in Illinois. And right now it's more so off of really the reflex of what we're seeing in the administration of Trump. Because with the Women's March, second year, outstanding records, Mm -hmm. it's really empowering us to say, you know what? We can see our direction in terms of what we do at the polls. And a perfect example of even in the African-American community, what happened in Alabama. What we've seen in Alabama in the Roy uh, Roy and Doug mm-hmm. contest was, and, and my father's family's from Alabama, so I was a little fearful on whether or not there was going to be real voter turnout because it is traditionally Republican. Mm-hmm. And Republican in, in the sense where uh, even you have black Southerners that are very staunch Republicans, 13% of African-American men came out and voted for Trump. But to see this flip on the other side of the fence saying, hey, we're not going to tolerate this from a alleged child pedophile of someone who is trying to not only set us back, Mm -hmm. but to validate his behavior. And when that statement was made, and I said, let's rewind. We've always known that women was really the true head of the household. No diss to the men out there. But at the end of the day, we're in a position where we do make the decisions, whether it is to uh, go grocery shopping, making sure that things are maintained, even down to the bills being paid. Mm-hmm. It's still a vital presence. And it also influences how we think happily in our household. And so that statement in itself really drove home um, across cultural lines from our community to say, Mm -hmm. hey, we're not going to tolerate this. Now, this also was a great example to show young women that you have this power, that you cannot sit back and think that it's just going to roll the way it rolls without you getting up, registering, and then going out there to vote. And this is what we're concerned about right now in Illinois, is will this transition into actual votes? Because with Me Too, it's not just a hashtag, and I tell people, Okay, it's easy to hashtag everything that we do in our society. But what does that transition to? It's easy to do these sexual harassment training courses that Madigan and the fellows in the you know House and the Senate does. But will that really change? Yeah, and change culture. Yeah, will and- it change the culture or is it just going to push it straight under the table? And there's still some concern for those that are coming out. Yep. You know, and I'm sure you've seen it as well. Like, yeah, I've had my my stories, but do I or do I not come out with them? Well, and, and you know, Carrie, obviously you heard a lot of stories and n- having that personal one-on-one time with so many women, do you feel like this is movement is going to translate to the polls as well? I, I, I'm hoping for a collision of worlds, right, after Trump's election last November, I think we saw a lot of shock and anger among the female electorate. And when I was working at the Daily Herald at the time, what I started to see was this influx into these previously somewhat dead women's groups, the AAUW, the League of Women Voter, all of a sudden they're getting surges of new members. So it's my hope that between that and then this this solidarity of the Me Too movement, because what I think is really special about this is that, you know, with, with local examples like the Elena Hampton story last week, people are saying when women speak up, we have their backs. Because I think so many of us have felt silenced before because we felt like nobody was going to have our backs if we 
we're able to come forward and tell our story. So you want to show that solidarity with other women. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping those two things will translate at the polls. But time will tell. And I think the March primary, that's a quick turnaround. Mm -hmm. I think, though, women had every opportunity to step up. We saw uh, Donald Trump campaigning, yet still white women did not come out. So you have to wonder whether that'll have an impact again. And look at white evangelical women. I think they're the ones that will decide whether uh, the women vote really makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Are they offended enough by Mm -hmm. everything happening in Me Too? I don't know. Well, wasn't it about 34% white women that did come out to vote for Trump? I meet them all the time. 52% or so of educated women who voted, voted for Trump. Wasn't yeah. that the number two? Yeah, it was I mean, high. I was, I mean, I was shocked because I mean, I like, I'm sure we all of us We live in our lots. little bubble right. here, I think. Exactly. We and live in a bubble, especially those of us that work in this space. <laughs> well, and I think there are a lot of women who, and I've met a lot of women who uh, did not want to vote for Hillary. So that tipped them the other way. Now, are they offended enough by everything that's gone on that they will uh, step up and vote for women or change the outcome of the election? I don't know. Yeah, I think still, I mean, we're at a time that we've never experienced before. Sometimes you could look back at some corrections in political history. There's been some disruption, but not anything like this. So I feel like it'll be historic either way. And generations from now will look back at this time and say, oh, what happened then as a, as a means to kind of measure what might happen in, in the outcome of their upcoming election. So we shall see. You know, turning to the Illinois primary. So would love to get your uh, predictions for the Illinois governor's race. And for full disclosure, everyone knows I have, you know, I'm with J.B. Pritzker, <laughs> but I'm a Democrat and whoever wins, I'm with them because from my vantage point, and I can only speak for myself, like, you know, you know, we need to take back the governor's office. But with that said, um, you know, and Ronner now has a female legislator challenging him, Jeannie Ives. I hope I'm saying her name right, because I really try mm-hmm. like to not let that name enter my head too often. But, you know, she happened to run an ad that offended everyone from women to gays and lesbians and teachers and everyone in between. And she went to City Club and said, uh, what's so offensive about it? To I which know. everyone raised their hand and said, well, <laughs> let me tell you. Which so, was really unfortunate because she had such a good head-to-head with Rauner out of that gate. Tribune. You know, everybody thought, wow. She's a real contender. Right. And then, and then wasn't it like the next day or two days yeah, later that ad came days. out? It's like, really? And when she said, no, no, that's what a transgender person looks like. I've seen one. <laughs> yeah. They came to my door. And you to... went, whoa. Yeah. You know, she's talking about a transgender person like it's a raccoon. It's like the hillbilly you were, came right, out. Right, right, right. Unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, it, it 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 was just bizarre, but that's um that's again almost like some of us live in a bubble because I know that there are people out there that's their their worldview because they don't have the experience of of having those relationships and having, you know, people of all shapes and colors and sizes who are a part of their you know tribe so to speak and um hopefully hopefully with everything that's gone on with this Me Too movement and things. The crazy stuff that Jeannie Ives is doing will maybe help enlighten some people. You have to think there's a silver lining somewhere, like in all of this. On the and so, do you think that she's got a shot with Ronner? No. Yeah. You know, no, I don't she, think so. I I beg to differ. I think she'll have a stronger showing than people think. I mean, motivated voters turn out to the polls, and I ran into former Illinois Republican Party Chair Pat Brady 
last week at the gym. And I said, okay, how how much, how do you think Ives will really do here? And he said, well, on average, there's going to be about 800,000 voters in the Illinois Republican primary. So that, you know, the, the Democratic primary dwarfs that. Right. But she, he thought conceivably that 400,000 could turn out for Ives. Wow. Would that be a women's reaction because she's a woman they want to see i mean would that be something from the me too i've mm. in recent weeks i know she's talked a little bit about um House Republican leader Jim Durkin not speaking up enough on sexual harassment but i don't really think that she's she's made herself a women's candidate yeah i i don't think that she's pro women in terms of just her dialect i think that a lot of your your male voters will come out in support because she's very extremist. Mm -hmm. And it's things that, that's being said, same thing with the Trump effect, it's things that are being said that you would not normally say in public or out in the open, but you would probably say around a family reunion or mm -hmm. uh, you know, over a couple beers. Or but on a telephone call that you don't know is being taped. <laughs> on a telephone right. call because you think that's, you know, exactly. So with this being said, it's the same thing with um what what's what's the woman who who saw Russia from her her uh, oh Sarah Palin yes Miss <laughs> Palin. Palin so it's that same effect but at the same time she got a lot of male support and male action mm -hmm. from this and it's like saying yeah you're saying something that you're part of us you're part of the frat right and right you're part of the frat <laughs> you're part of That's the frat exactly it and this is if. And I don't believe she's going to win, but I do believe that it'll up her uh, equity in the GOP party. Mm -hmm. I do believe that mm -hmm. because yeah, just like the Democratic point. Party, they are looking for a fresh face and a voice that's going to send out their message without question. Right. Mm -hmm. And even if she doesn't make it in this gubernatorial race, she could be someone for Senate yeah. or or maybe for Congress or whatnot. She's going to build up her stock. So that's a real possibility. And on the Dem side, we have three really viable contenders who more or less seem to be on the same page on most issues, especially United Against Ronner, unless you're Kennedy and you say he's, you know, doing the right thing. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. But it has gotten pretty contentious. So what are your predictions now that we're only about barely three weeks out um, on where this will land, you think, on the Democratic side? And anyone can take it first. <laughs> I think people don't pay enough attention, frankly. So they don't even know how granular we're going. Mm -hmm. I don't know that they know about the tape with Blagojevich or they know that Kennedy came out for Rauner. I mean, so it might just end up being... Who they who the ad that they liked when they saw on TV or the or the good old fashioned who put in enough resources to get their message out and right. the amount and up on TV and right right you know. and I think Pritzker has certainly oversaturated the market yet he's the name that you see when you turn on your TV but at the same time for those who are tapped into politics in Illinois I do see uh, Biss and Kennedy steadily rising in the polls week after week mm -hmm. and. I've said from the beginning, I think what differentiates Kennedy is just, you know, you have that family name. He has a floor, whereas the others don't. So, I, Mary, I I'd agree. be curious, particularly in the African-American community, how do you think he's resonated lately? He's had some gaffes. Yeah. And, and well, and you sat down with him yeah, as well. Yeah, I, I sat down with, with, um, JB. with JB. And I'm going to tell you that I call it the apology tour, where there's no flashing lights, there's no background singers, there's no band. It's just him on stage. And he has to 
really go there with pure honesty and pure genuine, hey, I understand why you're upset. It was at a time where it was us talking because at one point I asked him, I said, look, you know, you're saying that you weren't in your right mind and your right self, but it's just like me and one of my girls having a conversation. You're very familiar. It happens. And I think that after the first week, um, I think it was probably advice to him, just be honest. Because one thing about what we've seen in, in past situations with uh, public officials going off, doing time, coming back, you know, we're a pretty forgiving community. We don't forget, but we can be forgiving if you're just straight up honest with us. And and quite honestly, the word that I received was that the conversation that was had, the things that were said about certain individuals, he wasn't too off the mark. It was just because he is a candidate, because he's a white male running and he is basically targeting a great deal of the African-American community, it seemed very hypocritical that we would hear this coming from this particular situation. But this had been something that the Ronald camp had been sitting on and strategically waiting for it to go out. Will it determine factors? Yes, because you have 37% undecided voters. There are some people that are like, that were on the fence anyway. Mm -hmm. For those that were already down for Prisker, I don't think that it steers them. I think that they're going to still be very supportive. And because of the bottom line, they do not want Runner to for a second term. I may think he's really just best positioned. Because let's face it, I mean, from, again, where I sit, I would take either three of them over the current situation. <laughs> well, I was going to say, too, I think a lot of people, because um, it's so close. I mean, if, you, if you're just looking at issues and how they might, you know, run the government compared to Mr. Rauner, you might not know where to go. So I look at my husband who watches the Bulls game and he's totally irritated that J.B. Pritzker ads keep coming on, <laughs> picking on Biss. So he's like, I'm going to just vote for Biss because I'm sick of those. This. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right, right. And, and he's a smart, educated person. So right. I think, well, maybe that's how lots of people go. You know, yeah. something just triggers their... Yeah, I remember something psychological Mm -hmm. about right those images. I remember last November I'd be on the treadmill and uh, the runner ads for legislative candidates would feature Mike Madigan's face, and that would drive me crazy at seven fifteen in the morning. I don't (laughs) want to see this. I don't want to see this. Stop spoon feeding me this all the time. And but you know, there's a reason why you see this because it works. We all like to say, you know, we don't like negative ads and negative campaigning, and I believe that's true. But for whatever reason, it does seem to have an impact on the outcome of a. Elections. And I remember at um, City Club this past year when Rich Miller, who writes Capital Facts, was asked, how can Rauner survive this election cycle given his numbers are in the tank? And he's like, by going negative, negative, negative all the way through so that you keep home you, any Democratic voters that you can because it's so negative. You turn them off so much they don't come out and vote. So for whatever reason, there's someone who understands the psychology behind that out there, but that's that's indeed what happens. So if we move down the ballot a bit, we have an Illinois AG race, and there's so many candidates. I don't think I could tick all of them off, although I know you know we have Jesse Ruiz, Sharon Fairley, Nancy Rotering. We've got Pat Quinn running again. Uh, we, Kwame. 
Kwame Raul, mm-hmm. um, Scott Drury, yeah, because he didn't get kicked off um, the ballot. And I think there was a couple more in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. So it's an, it's interesting because it was just left open at the 11th hour by Lisa Madigan, who decided to not seek re-election. So there wasn't a lot of runway for all these folks to put their campaigns out there. So we haven't really heard as much about them as we have the, the governor's race. So what are you hearing and what are your thoughts on where this might land? Well, I know that um, they've been going really hard with forums lately, Mm -hmm. and I attended the last two they had on Saturday at the Chicago State University, uh, where they had different core community organizations um, ask questions. Mm -hmm. It was moderated by one of the personalities from WVON. And then I think on Monday evening, they had another one at the National Association of Black Journalists, NABJ, Mm -hmm. hosted at CBS. And, you know... It, it was very a little less candidates had showed up, but it got kind of heated. Like I'm seeing, Kwame Raul is definitely everyone's target. You mm-hmm. know, him accepting um, campaign contributions from uh, tobacco uh, ran companies and other uh, special interests organizations that may be a conflict for that particular office. And they went in between Scott Drury and Sharon Fairley. They were going hard. Pat Quinn have not seen a yard sign, a piece of paper, nothing. <laughs> Haven't seen a commercial, heard a commercial. He's relying but on his African-American name, um, his support. His support base, his old school support right, base. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and just his name. Everyone and then, knows and his right. name recognition. And that's all he feels that that's right. enough. And here's an, uh, a really crazy question. It wasn't crazy. It was very straight to the point. Uh, the VON moderator asked, well, and then she asked every candidate, well, how many African-American uh, people do you have in your staff? And she went down the list. And the only one that can say that they had more than one or two staffers was Pat Quinn. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And Interesting. from his chief of staff all the way down to, you know, his uh, uh, Illinois Health Department uh, head, mm-hmm. he basically was like, well, I have this and I have that and I had this when I was in this office. Even Kwame Raul really couldn't answer in terms of even the law firm that mm-hmm. he's a part of. Of course, the Highland Park mayor, of course, she didn't have anyone. So, so these are the things that voters really want. But then if you ask the average person on the street, if they knew about who was running in the attorney general race, they really couldn't tell you. I thought it was interesting today. Indigo had Hermine Hartman had a, it was a story, but it may as well have been an advertisement for Fairly, mm-hmm. a big profile of her. I should say it was a profile of her work, not yeah. not exactly her. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought a profile that was, of her work being with the Illinois Police yes, Review. Yes, and or, with mayor's office mm-hmm. and everything she's done for the city. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I think you're right. Kwame is definitely the front runner. And I'm just I'm puzzled by Quinn's campaign. Mm-hmm. Is it a real thing? I mean, there is this conspiracy theory out there that he just doesn't know what else to do other than be a candidate. And so by running that a little bit. That might not be so much of a conspiracy it, theory. <laughs> he learns to maintain the status quo. But you're right. There's not a lick of advertisement. None. There's nothing. And I, I just keep reading, you know, these these snarky commenters on political blogs like Capital Facts saying, how can we miss you if you never go away? <laughs> 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 you can always rely on capital facts for some good <laughs> snark. But I mean, he is kind of running an incumbent's campaign, right? They kind of do no harm. They don't try to make news, make waves. They try to ride it out and let everyone else kind of fight 
fight for second Though place. he had a little yeah. bit of a tantrum when he didn't get the Cook County Democrats, right? Yeah. That went to Kwame. But did he think that he was? I don't know. But I don't, yeah, I don't he's been at odds with them. Yeah. Yeah, for quite some time. So. I also, I just wanted to say, I think Jesse Ruiz's uh, ad uh, where he ends up in front of the Trump building was really fun. Yeah. And as a reporter, mm -hmm. I get the most mail from Jesse Ruiz. I get the most press releases. Mm. I feel like he has the most active presence, but that's just to the media. But there's so. a backlash on on him being a part of that <laughs> that uh, that reign of Barbara Bird Bennett mm -hmm. while yeah. he was mm -hmm. on the board. And that's kind of what resonates with you know, African-Americans in the community is, oh, aren't you the guy that was on the Board of Education? When the soups thing went yeah, down. Yeah, when that went down. So what happened with that? Wasn't right. he brought on afterwards, though? I don't think he was there. No, he was there he was from there. day one. But it's interesting because Jesse was always someone, even like during the school closings, like he actively fought publicly to save quite a few schools because mm -hmm. he had gone personally to see every single school, as did all the board members. But you know, it's like one of those issues. It's yeah. like you can never do right. I mean, like in Chicago, you know, you grew up here. It's like you have your local school, your bar and your church. <laughs> and you take one of those away, even if it's for a good, a good reason, right yeah. reason, you know, you're never going to make folks happy. But for sure, you may not forget it. So, yeah, I imagine that's probably a challenge that he has to overcome yeah. and explain and a deficit that not others who are running have the same challenge. But he is also the only Latino, Latino yeah. candidate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting how the Latino population is now greater than African-American population in Chicago, except the African-American population as voters is still greater. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see if that dynamic is shifting or changing at all, especially now that they have there's another Latino running, um, although Susana Mendoza will be on the ballot. And um, she's helped, I think, shore up some of that vote in the past, but she doesn't have a challenger. And we'll but see do Latinos really resonate with Susana Mendoza? I mean, she certainly got a lot of votes last time. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think she's had a pretty impressive start to her term, too. I mean, she's taken that video yeah. of the guy that, you know, Right. Was in that accident. Mm -hmm. She's she's right. taken on Ronner. Like she seemed like an aggressive, yeah. no nonsense person. Agree. Don't yeah. don't you think like I mean because you've been paying attention obviously what's going on with Ronner before like JB got in the race and really I mean, he put money behind going after Ronner. But until then, Susanna had been almost the only one to really mm -hmm. take him on one on one. And Susanna loves a good fight. If anyone uh, knows her, and when she feels like she's fighting for the right, but she's people. also Madigan's pit bull. Let's keep it real. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got quite a few out there. Yes, that is very real too. <laughs> I, didn't be, I didn't get bit by a couple of them myself, but you're making me think of Sarah Palin, pitbull with lipstick. So. Right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah. I although you know I will take having a good pitbull who ultimately is on a. Uh, the right side of issues than a Sarah Palin or a Jeannie <laughs> Ives uh, any day. So final kind of election thoughts here. Are there any other down ballot primaries that have your particular attention or storylines in the general election coming up that folks may not yet really be thinking about? You know, we've talked about sexual harassment a lot broadly, and we've talked about it within um, House Speaker Michael Madigan's office. But there is a man who is running for Jeannie Ives' House seat out in Wheaton, who last week got some negative publicity when it came out that he had um, asked Erica Harold, who is the um, oh AG candidate, the AG the candidate on the Republican side, and she uh, she's a former Miss America. She used her winnings to go to law school at Harvard. Really impressive. 
individual. Wow. And he said, you know, you're 37 and you're unmarried. Um, does that make you a lesbian? And then proceeded to use the N-word uh, with her. So like some papers out in the suburbs, including the Daily Herald, have rescinded their endorsement wow. of him. And so I just think that's one to just watch because it's becoming a bit of a show. Yeah, see, it's races like that that remind us that mm -hmm. we do live in a bubble because right. there are, it's like Illinois to some extent, it's like four different states in one, you know, and in the suburbs in some parts of rural Illinois, there are some folks who are just very far to the right. But I also believe if you look at whether you're part of a community living at or below poverty in Chicago or East St. Louis or Carbondale or elsewhere, there's so much more that we have in common than we don't. And this could be an election where that synergy finally happens. So we'll see. Is there anything you've been paying or attention to? I was just saying, will it be like, uh, who's the gubernatorial candidate who wants to split us up into two states? Is that diaper? Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. that's on the Republican side? Yeah, and he's, he, no, oh, he's a Democrat? Democrat. Oh, yeah. he's kind of a perennial candidate, I think. I don't know a whole lot about Might him. Might be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I miss Roland Burris. I've, I've been on, I used to think of him as like oh. the perennial. I think I've been on three campaigns on the other side with him. And I'm like, oh, I feel so bad because he's such a nice guy, but he's running against me. But we all have our perennial candidates here in Illinois. He might be one of them. So are there any races in particular you guys at the Defender are also really watching? Well, there's a couple. Um, the first one is the 5th District State mm -hmm. Representative um, race. And basically... Is that uh, Juliana's? Yeah, Juliana Stratton's uh, district. And of course, we're looking at Ken Duncan, who held that that seat for 13 years and lost to Julianne Stratton um, with m much money, the highest statewide, uh, other than the gubernatorial, uh, as far as the budget-wise, was that campaign. And so now he's seeking to get elected again. And we're seeing that now Lamont Robinson, who's backed by the Democratic machine, is and he is uh, Alderman Pat Dow's main choice of mm -hmm. support he is out there with his direct mail and all you see is sell out ken duncan sell out ken duncan so i don't know if that strategy is going to work as much but they have been really blazing on all the radio uh programs especially uh, across black media mm -hmm. about not re-electing ken duncan so it's going to be interesting because there's other candidates but it looks like that might be the head because Ken Duncan still has name recognition in his district. Do you think people remember why they voted him out the first time? Well, if they don't, they are definitely being reminded. <laughs> they are definitely Remember being that reminded. sleeping bag he brought to the press conference yes. towards yes. the end? <laughs> oh my gosh. So, yeah, to Springfield, right yeah. outside yeah. of the yeah. speaker's office. Yeah. Yeah. And he's another one. Doesn't have no material, no yard signs, nothing. I guess he thought he was going to get uh, bipartisan PAC money, and mm -hmm. that's just not going down. Secondly, is what people are not talking about is the Cook County Sheriff race, and Eddie uh, Acevedo. Gosh, I forgot that there's yeah. a race there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Eddie uh, a uh, Acevedo, who was a mm -hmm. former state senate legislator for 20 years, that's right, is really challenging him. But he's being challenged with his signatures on the ballot, and basically, of course. Uh, uh, Darts people is challenging, although he turned in eight thousand. They're challenging some of the signatures, so it's sort of that 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 holding pattern mm -hmm. prior to the actual primaries. And I think part of that is that it, there is a threat there. There is a lot of uh, discord going on in the Cook County uh, Sheriff Department, and a lot of it's coming from actual sheriffs that have been 
filing uh, discrimination suits against Cook County uh, Jail. Do you feel that this is a race in particular that the African-American community is paying attention to? No, because there's, it's like you just said, it's mute. Wow. It's, it's it, And he was the only challenger that could have actually gone head to head with Dart if he had enough time, mm-hmm. because there are some, there are support from law enforcement. This guy is also like 25, 30 years in into law enforcement. So I find that's going to be interesting because it goes back to our Me Too challenge is that we were the first ones to report that his, uh, that black female correction officers in the Cook County Jail were being sexually harassed, were being um, mm-hmm. discriminated job wise, and no one said anything even from the Cook County Board president. And now it has been um, officially put in record with an actual suit and they tried a great deal to cover that up and then we're hearing different things now the board is going uh, uh practical and are kind of going head to head on the bail issue and i just read about yeah, that yeah and the the about number gun via uh, repeat gun violators being able to get out um on bond more easily because of that new law yeah but there are also um there's some issues going on with that where people that have already bonded out put in the proper paperwork mm-hmm. are being detained still. Mm-hmm. They're being held off. So that's where some of that controversy is coming in. And it's not a good time right now, two weeks prior to the primaries, but a lot of this is, tr- is trying to be hush-hush and we're really trying to kind of get a little bit more investigative. Well, good, you need to, because unfortunately most of the oxygen gets eaten up by Governor AG, exactly. Me Too things and all that. Mm-hmm. What about the Barrios race? I mean, the assessor's office yeah. has been... It's been taking headlines in every race. Everybody's talking about it. But then Democrats keep supporting Barrios, so I don't know. <laughs> I I just can't imagine how he survives given just everything with property taxes going up, all of these scandals, whether they're really truly scandalous or not, they're somewhere in between there, right? But I can't imagine that most voters have not been paying attention and know that name and associate it not in a positive way. Well, I mean, a great deal of... Um... Uh, Kagi's picked up a great deal of endorsements from real uh, Democratic, you know, leaders, mm-hmm. and you know. But Preckwinkle is right behind Barrios. Well, of course, he's the chairman of the Democratic Cook County Party, right? Yeah. And, and she's vice chair. Yeah. Right. So it it would kind of not be quote unquote appropriate, yeah. appropriate not to support <laughs> him. But I had a conversation with both of them and Barrio's uh, stance is that this is something that's coming from Springfield that could possibly change. He's only carrying out the law. He has a very diverse uh, staff. He is making his way into understanding to put in the certain technology in place to get the information out. He's trying to go out there and educate the seniors, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is that why get to the point of repeal where a lot of uh, property owners, especially those that are seniors and from low income background, they have to, who retain an attorney? Right, right. And that's money that's not there if you're constantly, uh, the assessment taxes are not balanced properly. So that's where the controversy comes in. We understand, okay, patronage, it goes goes on all the time. He hires his, his kids. Who doesn't hire his kids? So we've seen right, that right. in Illinois politics all day. This is about now it's affecting the bottom line when you have to pay not only state property taxes, but county and local. And they've gone up. And they've gone up. Right. And you're not doing anything other than shift the blame. Shifting more. Right. So I think that's going to be interesting. And he's in trouble. Yeah. He is in trouble. Yeah. I haven't seen any 
polling on that race, surprisingly. You know, usually by now, the Tribune or Sun-Times, they've done three or four polls, but I kind of feel like they're getting out of that business, so to speak. It's expensive. It's yeah. expensive, <laughs> and they're leading it to the campaigns, because right. campaigns mm-hmm. and then other independent entities that are always looking to kind of get their name out there, they do a pay for a poll, and they get a bunch of free publicity out of it. Yeah. So I guess that's the case, but I sure would like to see some numbers on that race, but we're only Sorry. three weeks out, so. King is, is leading in a oh. He's leading in a one-on-one. But that Rayla, Andrea Rayla, is that how we pronounce yeah. her name? Now, she may be officially kicked off the ballot and her votes won't count. But, but. what happens to the votes that still go for her? They're not going to be going to Kagi or Barrios. Right. So she still is a player if she stays on the ballot. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of crazy. We're going to do our own poll. We're going to stand on the corner and <laughs> state. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to get people as they come and go. That's and right. that is going to be our poll. That's right. That's a good one. That's a good place for a, uh, a wide swath Hodge of, exactly. of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You and get, across Illinois. Get a hundred donuts and say, okay, if you take this, you get a free donut. <laughs> I like that. We could just hop on over there right now. So, so before we wrap, Carrie, can you share just a little bit with our listeners where they can purchase your book, Know My Place? Well, absolutely. And Becky, I mean, so much credit is due to you for introducing me to this incredible community of Illinois women, because I felt like every time I did one interview, a door opened to another and another woman who had a story. And that's the unfortunate part of all this. Is that every woman has a story, but yeah. you can find it on Amazon and um, it's available in Kindle format and in hard copy. And track me down. I've got a bunch and I'm happy to send them to you. Yes, you signed 10 for me just a couple of weeks ago. So thank you. And um, Pat Burns. Out to get um, as gifts to friends. So men and women, I think everyone can really learn from it because it's kind of hard not to read those stories and feel like it impacts you in some way. And, and even when we have our own stories, you know, we bury them. We're kind of done with them for better or worse. But I feel it's almost different when you read someone else's story. You can't help but feel some empathy. So, Absolutely. well, again, see, this just flew by. So um, it was a really great conversation. So thank you again to all of our guests, Shia Kapos, Carrie Lester, and Mary Datcher for making this episode so engaging. And again, the broadcast is brought to you by C-Strategies LLC, a strategic communications and public affairs firm. We bring passion and veteran experience to help clients meet their business goals. Our sponsors are We Will, which empowers women and children to get involved in the legislative process by affording them opportunities to have their voice heard, and Evolve Her, Chicago's only creative co-working space for women. So thank you to our podcast host again, 1871, and the broadcast is produced and edited by Tweed Thornton. Yay! Yay, Tweed! Tweed, Tweed! Additional editing provided by Nicholas Fedora. Music is by Christy Bennett's Fumi Gypsy Project. And to learn more about Sea Strategies and the broadcast, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Sea Strategies LLC. And you can visit SeaStrategiesLLC.com. Thanks so much for listening. So come, let the water.